Good evening, Austin First Church. Today is uh, Testimony Tuesday, and uh, appreciate y'all joining in this evening. Um, I want to first thank uh, Pastor and Sister Green for giving me this opportunity to give your testimony. Um, you know, <clears throat> I had a hard time when I first uh, came into church about telling my business with anybody. Um, it's one of them things that I'll, you worry about, you know, what people think about you, um, what they're going to say about you and stuff. But over the years of me being in church, I've come to realize it doesn't matter what people think. If they're going to judge, let them judge. God will take care of that. But I'm just going to go ahead and start. <clears throat> um, my name is Brandon Shields for you, for those that don't know me. Um, I was uh, born in Austin, Texas, and I lived all my life in a little town called Lockhart, uh, Texas. That's probably about maybe 25 minutes from here. Um, I am 26 years old, and my life has changed about four years ago whenever I walked into Austin First Church. And I want to explain from the younger ages to where I was um, where I, where I, where I, where I was, or where I am now, to get to get y'all to a overall idea of what God has done for me and my family. <clears throat> when I was born in 1995, my parents was living for God and going to a Pentecostal church here in Austin, and um, it seemed like. God was doing great things, or I'm sorry, it seemed like God was doing uh, great things for us. My parents had jobs, and it was a tough time, or tough in some ways. But my parents kept on putting faith in God, and one day, my parents was blessed with the house. And me as well. You see, my parents got married at a very young age, and I was born not too long after that. We stayed in a hotel in the meantime, but only for a short period of time. And God provided them a house and land. It was a total of 15 acres with a nice mobile home, had a barn, had a, uh, had a pond. It had um, some great things there that God provided uh, for my parents. My dad, was only, my dad was the only one working at the time. He was only making $9.50 an hour. My parents had faith that my God was going to take care of them. And shortly, four years later, my sister Rebecca, well now it's Rebecca Larbra, she was born. And we were still living for God. We were still going to church. Um, there was awesome times in our house. And there was upsetting times in our house. We was too young to know exactly what was going on. We just see our parents arguing and from time to time lashing out at each other. But overall, we grew up and it was kind of normal, a normal thing to listen to, to listen to that kind of stuff. So no matter what, uh, no matter what, though, they cared about us knowing who God is and the importance to go to church. They made sure we made it to every service that we can make it to. 
And I'm sure there has been some times that we couldn't make it to service for certain occasions or certain reasons. And then a little, little uh, ways down the road, uh, shortly the years down the road, my little sister Sarah was born. And we were still attending church for a little longer. Until shortly, some years, some years go down, and I was about seven years old whenever our world has changed. Not just me, but for my whole family. At the time, we didn't know exactly what happened. We were too young to understand, but there was a situation that happened to the church that we went to for majority of our young kid uh, life. Um, I'm not going to get into details with that, um, but basically it was a situation that hurt my parents uh, pretty bad, and um, it actually hurt a lot of people. Um, it caused people to leave church. Some tried to stay, but they couldn't. Um, so we left church, and my parents tried other churches, but it didn't last long. Eventually, we stopped going to church, and about a year after that, we was living in the world. Now, flash-forwarding a little more after my teenage years, or my young teenage years, we was in the world, but my parents still taught us great things of being respectful and just basically being a, a parent, the best that they could do for us. It was strict here and there, and my mom most of the time defended us when it came time for whoopings. She did that with all of us, but don't get me wrong, she didn't have a problem whooping us as well. I'm telling you this because I'm grateful that we did get discipline. It's true what the word says about sparing the rod, spoiling the child. There's a reason why I brought that up because I'm thankful that my parents disciplined me as a kid. We think that, we're be we think that they're being mean, but as you get older and mature, you start realizing why they did those things, why they whooped you for those things. And as you get older, you will start realizing those things. But as time flies for me, I eventually started exploring things in this world. By 13 years old, I tried dip. And I wasn't a fan at the time. But a little further down the road, about 15 years old, I was dipping here and there. And it got worse for, for me as I kept dipping on. On top of that, I tried weed. I tried weed out. Now, it didn't get a hold of me until a little later down the road. Um, and in the meantime... Uh, my dad has always taught me in life, you want something, you got to work for it. My dad has always been about work and the teachings and meanings behind it, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's always made sure we had food on the table, bills paid, and tried to give us a great life as kids. Doing fun things or being in sports, you name it, he would do what he needs to do to try to give us a great life as kids. My mom was working as well to help out, and she cared as much as my dad did. They loved us and wanted us to have a great time as kids. Um, I wanted a phone, and I remember my dad was saying about work and got to go to work to have stuff. So my first job was working at a horse ranch at the end of my fifth grade year. I worked there all the way up to ninth grade year. My boss would come, and he picked me up from school at, at the end of school every day, and I would work until almost dark. I learned a lot from that place and from the boss that taught me a lot as well. There's a lot that that um, that, that job uh, taught me um, in ways that I wouldn't think um, would, would, would teach me and uh, give me some knowledge. And it was great besides listening to 
my dad. Um, and about that time of junior high here, uh, junior high, is when things started getting more out of hand for me. I was getting deeper in the darkness of this world and not even realizing it. Fifteen years and on when it started the journey of depression, doubt, and suicidal thoughts. Um, you know, there's just, I won't get too much detail with suicidal thoughts, just the fact that um, a lot of things led to that with in the household, um, just in general. Um, it, you know, I had some moments of having a shotgun in my face at one point, you know, just about tired of just a lot of things that was going on inside our house and as well as some of the things outside our house. And a lot of things were going through my mind, and I hid a lot of it from my parents. But I started adventuring into some more serious stuff by the time I was in ninth grade. And at the end of that year, I, was, I, I, started, I, started, I started the drugs for, for, for a, a day-to-day thing. I would use my lunch money, even though that I, may, I had a job, and I had money, a little bit of money, I would say. But my parents would give me mo- lunch money, and I would use that money to buy weed. For all my lunch breaks, I would go and smoke me some weed, be high during school, um, you know, just not, you know, able to manage my work and stuff in some ways. But, yeah, I, I smoked weed almost every day from there on. Tenth grade was about the same stuff and getting worse, though. I started being around people that snorted cocaine and and doing dope, if you want to be specific, um, methamphetamines. And being around people that you shouldn't be around. And I never was interested in in it until one day I got into it with my dad. I got into it with my dad, and I was tired of things, and I left. I took all my stuff. I took the money that I saved up from the work uh, when I was young and then I had money to the side because I used to show animals um, for you, those that don't know about showing animals it's a, uh, a th- it's a thing in our school for ag that you can have an opportunity to show an animal in the district in the area of the city you live in people will get together and they will donate their money and they would donate and do charities towards your animals and you receive that for you know college and stuff like that but I ended up taking that money with me because my parents held it and I asked them to give it to me because I, I was leaving. And, and I left. And then that's when the world went upside down for me. I didn't even realize the things that I'm fixing to be getting into and didn't even believe what it was about to happen and so it begins. You see, I lived with a couple of buddies that I ran around with and we smoked weed and went to parties and did cocaine and you name it, um, we was already, it was already a thing. We also started uh, growing weed and selling it, and that, and that was uh, going on for a little bit as well, just to make extra money, I guess you could say, just, you know, just being rowdy. And then I ran into some buddies at a rodeo, and that's the night that I tried crystal meth. Not even realizing that it was going to become a thing to where I needed after that first high. And it went down eventually. I was doing meth on an everyday thing. 
me and my buddy was good friends with a drug dealer who was a seller. And he said, if we would just chill with him, if we would just chill with him, he would just pull it out. He would just pull it out any time and let us do the, 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 the stuff with him, the methamphetamines. So I was high all the time. I was high all the time. I was high through my school, my 11th grade year. I was still able to function, but the only thing that was keeping me functioning was being wired up from this stuff. I was able to do my work somewhat. And during the 11th grade year, I was at a party, and I was doing party things. And while I was there, I had a buddy that, was in, that got into a fight. And I was in, in getting in the middle of it, and guns started getting pulled out. And guns started being shot at. And as I could hear bullets flying past me hitting cars, luckily I didn't get hit. And at the time, I didn't even realize my God had his hand on me, had his hand to protect and around me. There was also a time at a Walmart parking lot, a man pulled a gun at me. And my buddy, in our face, like literally in our face. And he yelled. He said, do you, do you want to die, boys? He said, do you want to die, boys? He had a temper. Not sure what triggered him to act this way. I'm assuming what had happened was my buddy was, I was in the passenger seat. My buddy was driving. And we were leaving a parking lot and. I guess he was kind of going a little bit fast, and the guy didn't like how we, we drove. So that's what started, and he just got out, and that kind of action happened. And luckily, again, God was there, not even realizing it. And shortly down the time frame, my dad reached out to me, asking me to come back home. And eventually I did a couple of days later. My parents knew I was on drugs. I lost so much weight. At one point, I lost almost 40 pounds in a week. Because that drug will make you not eat. It will make you do crazy things. And you can't hide it. Anyways, my parents, they noticed that I was on drugs. And they helped me get through some things. And I was still kind of messing with meth. And one day I was working in an attic. And I was doing HVAC stuff. And right then I felt like dropping all my tools and becoming a druggie. But I heard a voice. It was a very quiet voice that said, hold on a little longer. And I started crying. Because assuming that it was God, because I never heard of his voice. I never heard of someone that speaks so quiet when you're in an attic. Ain't nothing in there that you can't hear. It's quiet. So I for sure knew I heard something. Shortly later, I was done with meth. Going on to my 12th grade year, I was doing okay. Still kind of partying and smoking. 
But I cut the powder stuff out. I had a girlfriend. I had girlfriends. And I have friends with benefits through my high school years. At one point, I was in a serious relationship with a girl for a year. And it turned out that it didn't work out. And during this, I had already graduated. And I'm very thankful for that because there wasn't a lot of people on my side of the family that graduated due to a drug addiction curse that had prevented them to do anything for their life. That spirit tried to continue to try to get me, and it may have for a little bit, but I followed the voice. God was there, and he broke the curse. So anyways, this girl lived with me for about a year at this house. This girl lived with me for about a year at this house, but we broke up. And then that's when I drank a lot. That's when I drank on a day-to-day basis. I drank so much that my parents told me, son, you're drinking a lot. I went to bars almost every day to drink, to hide my feelings, to prevent myself to go back to worst case scenarios that I mentioned earlier with suicidal thoughts and just the powders and stuff. I drank a lot. And I went to bars a lot. I had a buddy that was a good friend of mine. And that was our thing. We went almost every other day. I spent hundreds of dollars a night drinking beer and messing around. And one night, as I continued for on that journey of the drinking and the, and, and the partying and all that for uh, a couple of years, at one point, I had a major truck accident due to being cocky, fearless, not caring about anything. I left a club that I was at, and I was buzzing, and I always left parties and stuff in buzz and being buzzed. Now, I know that's probably wrong because I'm taking someone else's life at risk and, at risk and stuff, but I thought I was good at it, and... I was going around a turn, and I was going really fast. The weather that night was foggy and muggy. And I will say that I had some friends that say, no, you need to stay. No, you need to stay. No, you need to stay. Don't go, Brandon. No, you need to stay. Like, they were literally holding me, and I pushed them off of me because I had a temper at the time, and they knew not to mess with me because I want to do what I want to do at the time. I was stubborn. And I got my truck, and, and I'm telling you this incident, um, I had to go back for a second to explain that they did try to not let me go. Anyways, the, 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 the roads were muggy, and the roads were kind of wet, and silly me, I didn't have a good tires on the truck. But the moral of, the, of it that, that was, I was speeding, and I didn't care. You go ahead and put the picture up. I didn't care. I didn't care. 
I didn't care at all. I didn't have anything, no point of living and stuff, and I wasn't trying to, like, kill myself or anything, but I was buzzing. I was on a roll, and I was going around a turn doing 90 miles an hour when the sign that usually says this speed, this speed, that it says to do 45 miles an hour. And I did 90 miles an hour, and I rolled my truck four times, and it tipped on the tail bed and landed upside down. And I didn't have a seatbelt on. I didn't have nothing on. I didn't have no secure. No airbag went off. Nothing. Nothing went off. When I realized that the truck was upside down and I opened my, and I, as I realized that, uh, that it happened so fast, it happened so fast and I didn't even, I, I just don't know how to explain this, but it happened so fast, and when I realized that my truck's up, upside down, because literally you can see your gauges are above your head and all this, and I tried to kick through the driver door, wouldn't let me get through the driver door, so I busted the passenger door out, and I was able to get out, but I didn't have a scratch on me. I didn't have a broken bone in this wreck, this kind of wreck you're not supposed to survive from. This kind of wreck you're supposed to not live from. That was a miracle. My parents said that I lived. They said, how are you alive? How are you alive, Brandon? I'm so grateful to be alive. I'm so grateful to be alive. I give God the praise for another chance because I shouldn't be here. There's been many moments, there's many other stories that I could be telling you about, but I had to keep it short. There's a lot of things that I can tell you of more things, but I felt like God wanted me to share these things to you. But there's a lot more that I could share, but I felt like this is the need of telling you what I, that, that God gave me to share um, to, for you tonight. You can go ahead and take the picture down if you want. Um, shortly... Until I met, and then after that wrecking stuff, I was talking to this girl for a little bit during this, during this uh, partying and drinking and stuff. I was, you know, like I said, friends of benefits, all that other stuff. But this girl that I met, um, I truly loved this girl at the time. We was together for two years. And I was fixing to marry this girl, ask the parents permission and everything. But God had turned the tables around. You see, I got, I got it invited to Austin First Church for Ezra's baby dedication from the Smiths family, Landon Smith and Christina Smith's uh, daughter. They invited us, not knowing that this, once I walked to those front doors, it was a change for my life. But when I went, we sat on the back row to the left, to the left as you walk into the sanctuary. And I just want to point out, when I walked into AFC, I felt something. I felt a love, and I, and I felt cared, and I felt like God was here in this place. 
And I never felt that feeling before, but when I walked in those front doors, I felt something I never felt before in my life. There is no drug, there is nothing in this world that I can explain that felt what I felt walking in these doors. Home. <clears throat> that one day I can call this place home. And at the time I didn't even realize it. During the service and during the dedication at the end of the service. God spoke to me and God told me that this is your church. This is my church. I heard that small voice again, the one that told me to hold on a little longer. The one that told me to hold on a little longer when I was in the world. I heard that same small voice, that very quiet voice. I heard it in the back of that altar. I heard him. He said, this is going to be my church. The, one, the time when I was in the attic and, that, and God spoke to me and said, well, hold on a little longer, that voice. That was there for whenever I was in the dark. Whenever I was in the dark, that was there for me whenever I was in the dark, not even realizing it. He has been directing me this whole time as the time goes. As the time goes, I tried to come to Austin First Church services from here and there. I was still with that girl, and she wanted all of a sudden to start uh, kind of being complicated in a way to where she wanted to go to church, but she didn't want to go to this church in a way. She did come, but she wanted to go to her grandparents' church, which is a Baptist church. I went to the Baptist church. Then, and then I went to the AFC church. But I will tell you a difference between the Baptist church and the AFC church. You can feel something in the AFC church, and you can feel something in a Baptist church. What I told you when I felt walking through those front doors is not what I felt when I walked in that Baptist church. And as I worked together with her to try to make things work with the relationship, to try to see if I can make it work to where we could still be together and go to this church. Because I was hungry, I felt the need to come to this church. We fought and argued about going to this church. And sometimes I may have slacked here and there and not coming to this church, but I did come from day to day, um, time to time. Um, and I felt something, and, I, and, and God was going to change some things, but instead of changing the relationship between me and her, he had, his plan was to change me. It was to get me out of something that wasn't meant to be. And it was it was it was meant it wasn't meant to be, in in and not in His will. When you're not in God's will, it's not meant to be, and it won't work out. Eventually, God broke me and this girl up within three days after started going to church more. Within three days of a two-year relationship, God broke it up in three days. Usually, a relationship like that does not break up that fast. And I was so upset with God. I said, God, why? He said, I'll show you. Again, I heard his voice. Being, I was heartbroken. I was hurting. And whenever, whenever I was in this relationship, I told myself that I wasn't going to go back to this world things because I was hurt. But I wanted to take this hurt. And God changed me into where 
to come give him the pain, to come give him the glory, to, to, to release all the stress and all the struggles onto him. But he was slowly working me to do that because at the time I didn't know how to walk with God. I didn't know how to do things with God, but I was hungry. Um, and, you know, God showed me the reason why eventually I saw her true colors of, of the type of woman she was, and I understand why he did that for my sake. But not only that, it wasn't God's will. God had another plan for me this whole time where I can run to a family, which is Austin First Church. And I want to thank everyone that was there and worked with me from the time that I started going to Austin First Church to, the, to now. I want to thank everyone that's watching or that will eventually watch if they will. But you, you know who you are, and I appreciate y'all. Even the people that didn't help me, even though you, that you didn't were in my life at the time of my struggle and stuff, I still appreciate you very much. <clears throat> everyone that, that has worked with me... Um, Anyways, I started being an example with my family, and I started going more often to, to the church. And as I started being more example to my, my family and stuff, my family started coming, and eventually my family is now going to Austin First Church. The only one that's kind of not going is my little sister Sarah, but I know God's in control, and he's going to direct her one day to be here. One day she will come here. She, she she's knows who God is She's felt God's presence, and I know she will come here one day. I will be going to Austin First Church for four years, and I have received the Holy Ghost here, as well as I've gotten baptized in the name of Jesus. And again, I am so grateful for God and what He has done in my life. And there will always be battling, we will always be battling things, ups and downs. We all go through these things. Everybody that goes to, 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 to this church even though you're saved from the world, you're still going to battle things when you're in this church because it's a spiritual warfare that we're going to be going against from here on out. It's not going to be the worldly things. And if it is the worldly things, we know how to fight. We know how to fight with the word. Um, anyways, But that, that's the point. It's all about breaking down and remolding us. It's all about breaking down and remolding us to be what God wants us to be. The battle is worth it at the end. My life has changed miraculously over the last four years, and I'm so thankful for God's mercy and grace over my life. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Him. And the Word of God tells us in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 10, but God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in the trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceedingly riches of His grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you will have been saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of your works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we, would, we should walk within him.
And I encourage anybody that's watching right now to share your testimony. It can change someone's life. It can steer a direction for someone. Your testimony means a lot to somebody. Don't be afraid like I once was. It took a lot for me to come up on this pulpit to tell you my testimony, but I know it's God's will for all of us to give our testimonies because it can change someone's life. Not that it, even if it's just one person, it counts. You wouldn't believe uh, a testimony that it could do to someone's life. Even a husband stepping out doing it can change their wives, their kids by just stepping out and giving your testimony. Um, it can put an impact and steer something up when you share your testimony. And it's not about us. It's about what He's done, what God has done in your life. So take the pride down. Take whatever it is that's holding you down to not share your testimony and let God give, give your testimony. Let Him work in you to give your testimony. It will help and encourage. May God bless you and thank you, Austin First Church.